Welcome to Podcast Marketing Secrets, the place for entrepreneurs, coaches, and CEOs who are looking to grow their brand, become a key person of influence in their industry, and get their ideal clients to come to them. I'm your host, Al Morenton. My guest today is Tom Conlon. Tom is the founder, CEO at North Street Creative with 20 plus years of experience in marketing. Tom loves to talking about business, marketing, and mentorship. In his 20s, Tom worked for an amazing magazine with a great culture and a brand he believed in. He put his blood, sweat, and tears into his job, often working nights and weekends to hit deadlines and forging amazing friendships along the way. Then one day, the powers that be called all employees into a conference room and announced that they were shutting down. Tom was devastated. After that, he understandably had a real problem working for someone else. He worked as a freelance writer and a web designer for a bit while figuring out his next move. Then the next thing he knew, he had employees. Tom's passion include helping people grow their business and to mentor those who are just starting out in the world of business. Welcome to Podcast Marketing Secrets, Tom. Awesome. Thanks. Happy to be on. Awesome. Awesome. So what is the focus of uh, North Street Creative? Like, uh, How do you help businesses grow? Yeah, so we're a branding and creative agency. So what that means is um, we can create brand names, brand identities, meaning, you know, the sort of visual identity, uh, brand messaging, right? How they talk about themselves, how they position themselves. Uh, and then website design and development is a very big part of what we do um, because a website is a is an organization's biggest marketing or sales asset. And so any branding work that we do feeds right into that. Um and so how do we help businesses grow? A big part of it is helping them identify their audience, what their audience needs. And I think a good way of putting that is what keeps your what keeps your audience up at night? You know, like what are they worried about? And then what do you do or have that can that can alleviate that uh, or assuage those concerns, make their life easier? Um, and usually that has to do with connecting better with their connecting better with their audience. Um, getting more traffic to their brand or their website or however they're they're measuring that um and then not just get the traffic but convert that into whatever their definition of conversion is which is then tied to revenue that's awesome that that's really cool so um so like you said like you identify the audience so for yourself with with your business when you were doing the freelance work and then you got you know towards uh building out the um your agency uh did you have that focus at first or did you have to find that focus zero focus i would say we were like machine gun fire shooting out into the air we would do anything for anybody right i mean when you're it's it's interesting there's a very uh and you read early on especially in the creative agency or the marketing space that uh you really want to focus on a niche right like niche niche down into like an industry or a vertical and there's horizontal and vertical niching, but um, you can't be all things to all people, right? So you need to focus. Mm -hmm. When we started, the reality is, you know, you, you, you're, you're, I'm capable of designing and building websites. And honestly, anyone who comes along and needs it, uh, we would have done that for. And so that resulted in some interesting, like early work. So our first client, so so our clients today, and I'll get to this, but we're very business to business. We're uh, financial services firms, legal firms, healthcare, nonprofits. 
uh, our first client as North Street, and that was when it, with me with a with a partner, uh, was a dating service. Okay. So like, you couldn't have gotten further from what we do now. It was a it was a matchmaking service, um, and we did our website. And but even in those early days, I mean, we would do things like we were even doing like UX and software design, which. I want no part of doing now. We did a lot of interesting work with the Instagram API doing live event visualizations. And it all seemed really cool, but you sort of, I don't know, you step back from the agency and you look at it and it's like, how do you even define what North Street is and what it does? It looks like you guys do everything. Oh, you're going to do, you're going to build us software and you're going to build us a brand and you're going to do some live event stuff. Like that just doesn't seem like one company. Oh, and you're going to do it for a sneaker brand, a dating service and a financial services company like there's just no so so what ended up happening was you get into these rooms with people or networking events or whatever and they say well who's your perfect client and if your answer is well we really kind of do anything for anybody that is just such that's like handing somebody the phone book and saying like hey anyone in there is a potential fit so literally anyone you can think of what i've learned over the years, and you know, we're 13 years in now, is that you need to have a very defined focus on what you do and who you do it for, so that when that conversation comes up and someone says, Oh, like who's your perfect client? I can say specifically, you know, so for me, it would be like if you have a marketing, if you have a friend who's in the marketing department or is in charge of marketing at a law firm or a financial services firm that's a fit for me. So that all of a sudden narrows down like the yellow book or the, the white, the, the, the phone book that you were going to throw at them to a very, very narrow list of pe potential people that they can immediately think of and say, Oh, I think I have someone for you, or they'll think of you later. Um, and then when it comes to messaging, there's no way you can message. You know, if I, if I'm thinking about what North street is and who, it, who, who, who we do it for, there's no way I can write any sort of compelling copy that's going to resonate with anybody for my website that says, we do all things for all people. We need to say, we do this thing for this audience. If that's you, you know, press this button here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And it goes back to that thing where like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, it helps you get more business to that way. You know, like you think like narrowing down actually will help you get to get more business, but it also makes you more referable too. Cause like if you can't describe your business, then your, your clients definitely can't. Absolutely. And, and actually related and even worse is what if your employees can't even explain what you do? Yeah. Right. So I think there was a point in time where I think that if, look, my answer to what North street was and, did was a different answer on a different day. And I think that if you asked all my employees at the time, like, what is North Street? You would have gotten a grab bag full of different answers. And I don't think any of them would have been accurate. Right on. So when you decided to go, you know, towards branding, um, that was that just a choice that you made? Like, hey, I, I like this aspect or was was that where, where the direction that your business was, was headed? Yeah. So the way I think of it is, is this, you know, if we say like North street started as a website, website design and development agency, cause that's what I was doing. I was a web designer and a developer. So that's kind of how we defined ourselves early on. But in that subset of marketing companies, there are, you know, website design and development company can do 
can define itself in different ways. You can be really, you can be doing websites and web applications, mm -hmm. which then gets into like sort of native application design and development. Um, you could be really, really focused on the SEO and digital marketing element of it. Um, you could be really into like analytics and uh, support. You could be really heavy into engineering, right? There, there are shops out there that are just, they just build, they don't design at all. And so, you know, I, you sort of look around and you're like, okay, well, even in this subset of marketing, which is websites, like there's so many different types of agencies here. And I really wanted to, and it's funny, I had friends at the time who were going in different directions. I was friends with other agency owners that were going into like more hardcore engineering and like application building. And I went the other way. I was like, you know what? Like we are, we're design, we're a design agency. We design, we're very visual. Whenever we develop a website, yes, it's about the user experience, but it's also about either creating or expanding the brand's visual vocabulary, typography, pictures, et cetera. Um, and so it was a little bit of a conscious decision to differentiate my, myself and our company just to be like, you know, you know what, in this, you know, in this sort of category, we're not going the software engineering way, we're going the design and branding way. And once we made that decision, that led to that, that just, you know, we went on that path and suddenly it became, I mean, we do a lot of projects that are branding only. We're not even touching the website because someone else is doing it. We're just doing the brand. There's projects where we're just doing messaging. And for, for an agency that started out as a web design agency to have projects that are just text and, you know, they're just, it's messaging uh, is a pretty big, I mean, that's a, that's a substantial evolution in that direction versus where I could be if I'd gone the other direction, which would probably be building SaaS products or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, since, since you mentioned like the branding and the messaging, um, like uh, explain to our audience, like how, how important is messaging? Because I, I, hear, I hear that term a lot and I know it's important, but it, it's sort of glossed over. So how, how important is that? Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. I would recommend, there's a great book that's sort of like a primer on the, on the subject. Um, and it's called Building a Story Brand by a guy named Donald Miller. Uh, and it's all about storytelling and telling your story, but it's not just telling your story. It's like, you know, yes, you can tell, you can tell your audience about you, but first you need to understand, and I'll go back to what I said before, you need to understand what keeps them up at night. Like what, 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 it, what the reason a person is going to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm interested in speaking to you is because your messaging said, Hey, I understand what you're going through. And we've done this a hundred times and we have a process for it. We're very good at it. We're specialized in it. We've, we've run all the traps before we know, you know, with financial services, we know what compliance is and, 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 and how to deal with that and everything. So, I mean, messaging is really, it's that it, to me, it's foundational because it, it touches so many things. It's like you said before, it's like, how are you going to reach your audience if you're just, if you're just very generic, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, took two, if you took two branding agencies side by side, and let's say you were a, uh, let's just say you're a private equity firm and you land on one and it's like, hey, we do sneakers and we do cars and we do financial services. Oh, and we do branding and websites and we'll do media planning, right? Or you get to my site, which says uh, we do some very specific things 
and we do them for very specific audiences and we understand the problems that you're facing and we have the solution to how to fix them. And so what that allows us to do is, yes, our audience feels like they're heard when they reach us, but it, it allows us to go out and build like a content strategy, say, for our own for our own blog, because now we're not just writing blog posts for anybody that'll, that are completely unsearchable, right? If, if, if it, it, instead it's very focused on our audience and what they need and what we can do to to uh, to alleviate any any pain on their end. That's awesome. That, that, that's really cool. And I love StoryBrand too. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm familiar with that. I actually built um, this business, My Fit Life. I built I, I built it around that. You know, it's a really great it's a really great framework that yeah. um, that takes a lot of the mystique out of brand messaging. I think because mm. Donald Miller has a very it's a very templated approach, but it's it's a smart one, and it and it like it makes sense. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and and yeah, and it's it's super cool that you like that, that you did niche down, and you have that that specific focus of of, of your clientele um, that you like to that you like to work with. One um, one of the things uh, can can you like briefly de de describe like um, what is meant by like brand strategy, brand identity, and brand experience? Sure. Uh, let's go one by one. What was the first one? Um, brand strategy. Okay. So brand strategy is a very, very broad term. So there's a there's hundred ways to define it, right? Um, part of brand strategy, I think, is brand architecture. So brand architecture would be um, this concept of um, branded house versus house of brands. So the, an example of that would be, and I'll, and I'll, I'll sort of, I'll use the consumer side of things. Um, <clears throat> but it's like a house of brands is, would be PepsiCo, right? PepsiCo owns Pepsi, obviously, but it owns a hundred other brands, which are all different distinct brands that have different audiences, but they all roll up to to PepsiCo, but but what you don't see on a Frito Lay's bag of chips is Pepsi flavored ranch, you know Pe Pepsi branded ranch chips. It's Lay's or Fritos, and the Pepsi branding isn't even on there. It's like if you look in the very bottom, it's like oh this is owned by Pepsi, right? So those are the two sort of decisions you have to make in brand strategy kind of early on. It's like if I'm going to have multiple products, are they all going to have their own names and identities, or is it going to be the one master brand with, um, with just sort of like descriptors for what our services are? Then brand strategy is 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 really that whole concept of who is my audience, what do they want or need. And how do I speak to them um, effectively in a way that's going to make them raise their hand or click the button on my website? Um, and then it's figuring out where are they, right? Like where where is my audience? You know, are they at trade shows? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they reading trade publications? Are they looking at billboards on the side of the highway? Um, so 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 brand strategy is really this multifaceted. Um, word that has a lot that has a that can have a lot of meanings and interpretations to it but for me the core of it really is figuring out the um how you're going to go to market in terms of who you're going for what you're saying to them and uh where where they're living or playing in order to get their attention that's awesome 
Yeah. So it's a uh, um, the grunt work portion of it, like the foundational portion of, of, of building your brand, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, brand strategy is what everything else is built on, right? Every word of your website, every uh, SEO campaign or paid campaign that you do is going to have language in it and it's going to land on a landing page say that all goes back to your brand strategy which is this landing page needs to target this type of person with this type of problem and it needs to offer them this type of solution and it needs to have a big click here now button that's gonna get them to get in touch with you or book a demo or whatever right on and then when you move into brand identity and then yeah, so brand identity is the visual is the, just the the how the brand how the brand is visualized, so how it looks and feels, right? right? And so that's definitely the logo, but the logo is just a very small piece of the overall visual identity. Visual identity to me is it's the colors, it's the typography system, it's what types of photos or il or and or illustrations you use, um, if there's any kind of patterns, iconography, really just anything visual. And the idea there is you want a visual identity so that every touch point um, that your brand or the marketing of your brand has should be consistent, right? So someone should meet you at a trade show, pick up a pamphlet, grab your business card and the pamphlet and the business card look exact, not exactly alike, but they're clearly the same in the same universe. And then when they go and look you up on LinkedIn, maybe your background graphic should tie back and then your website definitely needs to have the same language and look and feel that your brochure does um without standardized without a cohesive standardized visual identity you know you don't want someone seeing you speak up speak on a, do a keynote or speak on a panel think that you're like you're really smart and i need to get in touch with you get your business card it looks great and then they go to your website and it's totally disconnected from 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 what they saw and experienced in person, they're gonna first wonder like, am I at the right place? And two, like, ah, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And, uh, I'm, I'm not so convinced anymore. So that's visual identity. And then or or brand brand identity. And what was the last piece? The brand experience. <laughs> yeah. So brand experience is actually ties right into what I was saying, which which was just that, well, actually there's a couple ways to define that. One is the experience of having cohesive materials. Right. So you want to be able to, you want to see an ad on TV. You want to see an ad in a print magazine. You want to go to the website uh, or go to a conference where they have a booth and it should all be the same. Um, but brand experience can also be, um, I, I mean, I think it can also be, this is maybe getting off a little off track, but a big part of brand experience, I think now is like what that brand does in terms of um, its mission or uh, its um, what it stands for, right? And so I think we're seeing that more and more in the world of branding in general, which is that like, great, I, I get what you do and I get that you're targeting me as your audience and that I have specific issue I need help with, but um, what are you doing to better the world? And I think that that last piece is becoming increasingly important, especially for younger audiences, younger employees, younger consumers. They want they want part of the brand experience, not to just not just to be the service or product that's offered, but like what that company is doing in the world. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I could see that, like how, how that little that shift is uh, being made. You know, especially with the younger uh, generations. Um, uh, like, like from the B two C side, like, like could brand experience also be like um, the like the Gucci store or or, or some, something where they have you like wait in line and then they, they serve you like little drinks and stuff and have little snacks inside the shop and is that part of brand experience as well? Yeah, absolutely. There's a great book called um, you might know it, uh, Emith Revisited, where yeah, he yeah. talks about going to this like really small hotel somewhere in like Northern California, I think. But it's like every time he had visited, they'd taken notes. And so they knew that like he likes the New York Times at his front door every morning. And it's like super personalized to him. So um, I mean, absolutely. And, and, and what's interesting too, is you mentioned like the Gucci store. Um, part of the brand experience, and, and, and you see this a lot in New York City, especially where you'll see an online brand have an offline experience, right? Where it's just like, I mean, I remember there was like a Chobani store, you know, a Chobani, like why, why does Chobani have a store? That's a product that's sold in stores, but like yeah. suddenly they got this like little outpost. And like when Warby Parker started opening up retail locations, um, I bet you those are loss leaders. I mean, I don't know, cause I don't know their financials, but I have a feeling like Warby Parker paying a, giant rent bill in Soho is not for the success of that store. It's for the brand experience of someone being able to come in and get the whole Warby Parker vibe, but probably actually end up buying online. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. I, I, I'm with you on that too. I think they're probably lost leaders as, as well, for, for sure. But yeah, thank you for explaining those uh, three different concepts in there. Cause, uh, a lot of people, uh, even marketers these days, they don't understand complexities. Yeah, that's how I define them. Now, like you yeah. type brand strategy into Google and you're going to get like a million. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, the, but there, um, but there is a thoughtful process behind everything. It's not just like, hey, I got a brand, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you know. so yeah. And that's um, why a person like you and your company is, is so important, you know, deliver, you know, defining that brand and the messaging and all and the experience yeah, and all it's, it's, it's what we help it's what we help our clients figure out and for the most part it's in them already they, mm -hmm. they know it or they feel it they just haven't really talked amongst themselves to get a consensus and they haven't articulated it right and so like that's where we help that's where we come in and help and then there's also an external piece to it because if you're if you're internal and you think you know yourself and great i, I wouldn't necessarily always stop there i would um, I would do some external research or outreach as well. Talk to your customers, talk to your prospective clients and customers to see like what they think and what their impressions are you, what are of you, why, why they go to you, what they like about you, because that outside perspective is, um, is really important as well. Right on. And so I know you work with a lot of B2B. So with uh, when, you, when you develop that, the, the, you know, the branding and the messaging and all that, um, do, you, do you make uh, help the company uh, deliver that message to the employees as well so they, so they could explain the business? So what we do is when we do messaging and visual identity, we'll create a brand guide. Uh, and so the brand guide, you know, a visual brand guide is very standard. It's like, here's your logo. Here's how not to use it. Here are the colors you use. But the messaging piece is 
is all of that work that we did to, to help them create, you know, the language around who they are and what they stand for is on the front end of that, uh, that brand book. So it's a nice, like, it's a nice document that opens up and it's like, here's our company. Here's who we are. Here's our, here's who we target. Here's how we define ourselves. Here are our values, et cetera. And now here's what it looks like. Um, and so, yeah, as part of our scopes of work, we often have like training sessions where we're, we're training people on the brand guide, but the brand guide does exist so that obviously not everyone who is in that training session is going to work for the company forever. And there's going to be new people that come in. So that's where the brand guide is handed to somebody on day one. And it's like, Hey, just take a look at this. Cause this is what everything we do is built on. Right on. It's like a little standard operating procedure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that, yeah, just having that though is super important and most businesses don't have that, you know, like uh, um, the ones that no. are, they're running in circles. Well, especially, you know, I mean, especially if you if you started the business yourself and you grew it over time, you've just been really like you've been grinding. Right. And you just haven't mm -hmm. stopped to step and like look back and be like, wait a minute. You know, like, what is this? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So speaking of that, you know, start, start your business on your own and stuff like that. That's what you did. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, this is sort of switching gears a little bit, but you went from being like a freelance uh, web designer to, uh, you said like all of a sudden you had employees. So you're owning a creative agency with employees and all the complexities that go with that. Did you have like some guidance or mentorship in developing that? Because that's not easy. No, it's not. And, 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 you know, like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners or people who start businesses think that they're in it alone because their immediate circles of, of relationships and influence are not entrepreneurs or business owners, right? They're, they're teachers, employee, they're, empl they're employees, right? So it's just a very different mindset. And so when you kind of look around and, and it, your struggles as a business owner do not line up with those of an employee. And I'm not saying one is less or more than the other. I'm just saying that they're totally different. Right, different pressures. Um, an entrepreneur can do um, whatever he or she wants during the day without a boss over looking over their shoulder. Great, but that employee also has a guaranteed paycheck every two weeks. And then, you know, there's other, there's other sort of, um, there's just other sort of advantages and disadvantages. Mm -hmm. What I, what I, it, it took me a while to learn this because I really did think I was, I was in it on my own. And then I got introduced to some other agency owners that were way ahead of me in their trajectory. You know bigger agencies um, that had been around longer with more people. And I, uh, you would think that, uh, and I think this is also something that entrepreneurs think at first is that, oh, they're in the same industry. So they're a competitor and like, they're now my, my enemy. I found the opposite, which is there's more than enough business out there for all of us. So why don't we just be friends and talk about like what, what we do, how we've done it, what we've learned, um, and so early on, I had a couple of those relationships that were really helpful, like people that I could go to and just say, hey, I, I, this client did this or this employee did this or whatever. Um, and to have someone who's already gone through it to be able to help you is huge. In 2017 or so, a friend of mine, I was having dinner with a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, my, my business, my revenue is flat but my expenses are getting more expensive. And at some point they're going to cross and I'm going to be out of business. And he said, um, 
he turned me on to something called the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is known as EO. Uh, it's a global, it's a global nonprofit organization that has chapters in cities all over the world. That was mind blowing because I went to this first meeting and it was like 50 other business owners, all different industries talking about their problems and talking together about solutions. And I was like, oh my God, like this is my, this is what I've been looking for. This is like a business of, uh, and it didn't matter. I remember I was having lunch with a guy that cleaned chimneys in New York city, which is a very lucrative business. And I was like, I don't have anything in common with this guy. I run a creative agency, but a business running a business is running a business, you know, mm -hmm. payroll expenses, marketing headaches with employees and clients. It's universal across businesses. And so that has been a resource for me over, over the years. It continue. I'm still an EO and it continues to be a huge resource for me. The flip side of that is that um, now that I'm in, now that I'm in this position, which is um, not grandiose or anything, it's just, I've been running my business for, 13 years, there are much bigger, more sophisticated businesses that have been around much longer. But on the other end, there are tiny, smaller businesses who are trying to figure things out. And if I've experienced things and figured them out, like I'm not going to hoard that knowledge or experience. I, I want to share it. So I actively seek out mentorship experiences, both as a mentor and mentee. Um, because I think it's like, and, and that also goes for people who are looking for jobs out of college. Uh, you know, like there's a lot of mentorship that can be provided there because I interview people for jobs all the time. So I can help people figure out like how to get your resume noticed or like how to, you know, the questions to ask in an interview to, to, to stand out. So yeah, mentorship, uh, I would say to anyone out there who's listening, I would say, um, seek it out as, uh, to help yourself, but also help others because, there are, there, are, there are answers to questions that are so basic to you because you've just known them for so long that someone who's just starting out has no clue about. Right on. That's awesome. That, that's great advice. And um, it's awesome to hear that the Entrepreneurs Organization uh, has a lot of value with it, too. I've heard, I heard about it uh, a few years back, like six, seven years ago. And um, it seemed interesting. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to, um, I, I want to check that out. And then I never did. And then, and, and then hearing it again, I was like, Hey, I remember that from several years ago. <laughs> yeah, man, it's great. And, 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 and I, I won't talk about it for too long, but there's a couple components to it. And one is there are great events, great learning events. So mm -hmm. we had, you know, you get these like keynote speakers that are just uh, amazing that you, you get to go to these events. Um, the other part of it is there is a, uh, some of the chapters have what's called an accelerator and those are for smaller businesses to help them. It's more curriculum based, but it's to help them just with the tools and um, advice to get them from, you know, a small business to, to a bigger business with a, a million plus in revenue. Um, and I ran the accelerator in New York for two years. So, because I, I was, I just, you know, like I said, I love helping smaller businesses. That's awesome. That's beautiful. And so um, many of the people that, uh, you know, that listen to this podcast are like, they're, you know, either coaches or entrepreneurs or aspiring, you know, coaches and entrepreneurs. And um, so uh, do you have any advice for them if they're looking to go from like that freelancer and they're, and they're thinking about making that jump? Would you, do you have any advice for them? Yes, 100%. Uh, one is, I think my, my biggest one is that 
you and, and this this is probably from Emith Michael Gerber's Emith as well, which is that you are when you start a business, you are the practitioner, you're the expert, you're the person that's doing the work, and you know you love what you do, and so that's why you started your business. But as the owner of the business, you can't just sit down and design logos all day. You know, like that's that the, the reason you started your business goes from being your whole day to a very small part of what you do. So because there's just so many other responsibilities, right? And so you have to you have to do the work, but you also have to get the clients, get the employees, make sure the employees are happy, make sure that they're paid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would say that um, one, make sure you do what you love because make sure that you love the world that you're in. Let me rephrase that. Let me, you love the world that you're in because I used to be a designer. I was designing websites. I was designing logos. I loved it. I don't do that anymore. I don't design anything. I have a team that does, but I love design so much that even when my team produces work that I maybe saw and maybe I gave some feedback on, I do feel like it's mine. I feel like I have, I have ownership over it. It's something I feel like I produced. The other piece of advice would be to delegate as much as possible um, within reason. And, and within reason usually means financially. So when I started my business, um, I was working with a partner. Um, we split amicably, but, but she was handling all of the financial stuff like payroll, P&L, um, account, accounts receivable, accounts payable. I, I had nothing. I, do, I wouldn't have even known how to cut a check to myself. Right. And so when we decided to split and I was going to take North Street on my own, one of the first things I did was take our outsourced accountant and make him like our bookkeeper and fractional CFO. I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, I don't even want to waste any brain power on this because I'm so busy doing all this other stuff that this just needs to get taken care of. And so I would I would say identify the things that need to get taken care of that you're not necessarily good at or don't want to do and, and try to delegate them as much as possible. That's awesome. That, that, that's, that's great advice. Thank, thank you for that. Really appreciate that. Um, so since we're um, on a podcast, you know, and, and you know, you, you, you're on a lot of podcasts and stuff. Um, so what are your thoughts on like business podcasting you know, um, as far as like helping a business to, to grow or get their message out there for branding and things like that? Can, can, can a podcast fit into a business's branding and messaging? 100%. I love it. I, 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 I mean, first of all, podcasts are just proven to be a way that people are consuming content. Um, and I mean, I don't, me personally, I consume a lot of business uh, podcasts, right? Um, it's just another way of learning, another way of um, entertaining yourself. Um, I think that it's a great way to do, it's a great way to do thought leadership. And I mean it like whether you're appearing on a podcast, like me doing this now, or you have your own podcast, it's a really nice way to do, you know, I mean, you, yes, you, there, one way to do it is to write articles, um, and publish them on your website. I have a magazine background and so publishing articles for us was excruciatingly painful because I was hung up on every single word and every single Oxford comma. Um, so, um, so doing what I'm doing now, which is like just having a 
fairly informal conversation with you about things that I like to talk about is a great way for me to go out and, and do thought leadership or sort of just establish myself as a person who is knowledgeable about maybe starting a business, starting an agency, uh, or being an entrepreneur. Um, is a really nice way that's compatible with my way of communicating to get um, the North Street brand, the North Street message out there. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan, whether you're talking about um, appearing on podcasts or, or launching your own. And the nice thing is, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be this super complex, overly produced, you know, Hollywood show, right? It, it's, it's two people like us having a conversation that's, that some people, again, and it's like your audience are going to get something out of. Um, and, and, and yes, it absolutely does establish credibility. I, I was having a conversation literally yesterday with a friend of mine who is launching a new business. So he's listening to a lot of real estate podcasts. And he's looking for, I think, an accounting firm that specializes in real estate. And he called one of the companies that was a guest on this podcast that he listens to, rather than just going to Google and just trying to find something uh, and hope that it's okay. He heard this person from this firm speak, liked what they had to say, and thought, okay, great. I want to get in touch with this person. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they are great for like you know making uh, creating that like thought leadership or making you uh, like that, that the key person of influence or center of influence in your industry, kind of a thing. That, that's super cool. Yeah, so like I said, we really appreciate you uh, sharing all your knowledge. You know, because there are you know some there's established business owners and aspiring people, and um, they can get you know. So I try to ask questions that will get will get them going, get people motivated. So, yeah, um, and like I said, by the way, like I'm at this stage, there are plenty of people way ahead of me that I'm looking to learn from. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, that being said, what's the one big idea or uh, takeaway that people should get from this episode? Uh, I think it's really that uh, if you haven't read it, it, look, if you're interested in branding and you haven't read it, pick up Building a Story Brand. It's a really good primer on brand messaging. And I think that the important thing, I think the important takeaway that I like to leave people with is branding and brand messaging is audience first, you second, not you first, audience second. Meaning don't lead with your awards and your years in business and how many employees you have and how many offices and how many cities you have and what you do and what verticals lead with who you're talking to and like what, what's their problem? What's their issue? What, what's going to make their job or their life easier? Uh, and how do you fit into that and build your, build your language and your brand around that? Yeah, for sure. That definitely. Um, there's this guy, uh, what's his name? Jason Priestley. Um, he, he talks about like the, the, the one big idea, the, the, the problem that you solve, like what, what problem do your customers yep. or, or clients have? And you talk about that. You don't talk about your business because your exactly. business will always solve, but they, they know that you understand their problems and that you have, uh, ways to solve them, you know, like, and, and through the messaging and, and different interactions, they could become comfortable, do their research and then they make the decision to do business with you. 
Absolutely. And I'll just, I'll double down on that and say that the best sales calls that we have are when we are asking questions that get the client talking about themselves and their issues that they need solved. And then in like the fast, the last five minutes, they're like, well, we saw your website and we know about you, but is there anything you want to tell about us? It's like, yeah, sure. We can tell you like our, the, the, the sort of biography information, but the more important part of the call was the questions and answers. That's awesome. That's really cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show, sharing your insights with us. Um, uh, for people that want to, you know, like follow you, get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, NorthStreetCreative.com is our website. And then I'm on LinkedIn as Tom Conlon or Thomas Conlon. So I should be easy to find. There, there aren't a lot of us. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include those links below in the show notes below for the video and audio. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So that concludes this episode of Podcast Marketing Secrets. This is Al Morenton signing off. I hope you have a successful day.